0: Welcome to the Vespasian Warner Library District Podcast. Politicians have a reputation for being corrupt and scandal-prone, and local politicians are not exempt. Their names are often remembered long after their questionable deeds have been done and their terms ended. However, one Clinton mayor has faded from memory when perhaps he should be regarded as infamous. With allegations of adultery, abandonment, bribery, and corruption, Mayor Pugh was a man made to be known. Dr. Bernard McCarthy Pugh was born in Calhoun County, Illinois, in 1886 and grew up in Lincoln. After graduating from the University of Illinois Medical College in Chicago in 1909, he married Dupreez Ebinger the next year. Sadly, their only child was stillborn. After once again moving to Lincoln, the Pews then settled in Clinton, where Dr. Pugh set up a successful practice and established himself as an involved member of the community, as both a member of the Elks and Knights of Pythias. Dr. Pugh was eventually named the official city physician. In that role, he treated the poorest residents of the city and served as the medical examiner on murder cases. He also dealt with public health crises such as scarlet fever, the Spanish flu, and smallpox, which included quarantining those afflicted and communicating with the State Board of Health. He was also the house doctor at John Warner Hospital, which was owned and operated by the city. In 1935, he was named physician and surgeon for the Illinois Central Railroad, which was headquartered in Clinton, and shared his duties with another district surgeon, Dr. H.K. Hooker. Towards the end of his life, Dr. Pugh served as the president of the DeWitt County Medical Society. However, it was in 1931 that Dr. Pugh first threw his hat into the political ring. Dr. Pugh's first foray into politics was an unsuccessful run for mayor in 1931 as he attempted to defeat long-term mayor Frank Rundle. The loss did not deter him. He ran again for mayor in 1935, and this time defeated Rundle by a large margin, 1,407 votes to 491. During his first term, Mayor Pugh oversaw the addition of an emergency room to John Warner Hospital, as well as a reorganization of the facilities to provide more room for the patients. The completion of a storm sewer project and the continuation of a road paving project struck what was considered to be a shrewd deal for street lighting, and acquired funds to improve Weldon Springs and create a recreation park. The mayor and Frank Rundle faced off again in 1939. It was during this run that Mayor Pugh received an endorsement from the Clinton Daily Journal in public. An April 16, 1939 editorial praised Mayor Pugh for his economic savvy, for instilling community confidence in the local hospital, and for increasing employment. The editorial also mentioned a whispering campaign against the mayor, which is perhaps why he defeated Frank Rundle by a smaller margin this time—only 716 votes, compared to the previous election's 916. During his second term, Mayor Pugh proposed building an addition onto John Winner Hospital, which was approved. Work began that summer, and the additional eight rooms were ready for occupancy by that November. He also successfully had the governor at the time, Dwight H. Green, tour Weldon Springs and approve stocking the lake with game fish. In 1940, he was elected secretary of the Illinois Municipal League at their meeting in Springfield, which was quite an honor. In 1943, Mayor Pugh ran unopposed for his third term. It was during this term that Mayor Pugh's tendency to scandal would come to light in a big way. Dr. Pugh's first brush of a scandal happened in 1915 when his own mother-in-law sued him over $350 he'd borrowed and failed to repay. He also appeared before the county boards with bills that would often be rejected. Eleven years after being sued by his mother-in-law, Dr. Pugh would find himself embroiled in a much bigger, much more public scandal. Dr. Pugh began a public affair with a woman from Decatur by the name of Oral Evelyn Fisher. In early 1926, the pair were arrested and tried for adultery and fornication in Dewitt County. In the summer of that year, the two again made headlines, this time in Decatur and this time in a much more dramatic fashion. According to reports, Dr. Pugh followed Miss Fisher and a friend from Clinton to Decatur. Once in Decatur, Miss Fisher got into the doctor's car, where the two of them, quote, had conversation. After about a half an hour, Miss Fisher got out of the car, but an argument ensued, possibly concerning a key to the car and the lady's hat, which was still inside the car. As Dr. Pugh began to drive away, Miss Fisher is said to have jumped onto the running board of the car. According to Dr. Pugh, he drove with Miss Fisher on the running board for several blocks while she repeatedly struck him in the face before finally falling. According to Miss Fisher, she was thrown from the car. Either way, she was left lying in the street in front of Mr. Burt Howard's house as Dr. Pugh drove away. Mr. Howard and other neighbors came to Miss Fisher's aid before Dr. Pugh came back and picked her up, taking her home. Mr. Howard then informed the police, who arrested both Dr. Pugh and Ms. Fisher at her home for disorderly conduct. Despite her injuries, including severe bruises and a sprained back, Ms. Fisher wouldn't file any assault charges against the doctor. The couple patched up their differences, and the peace lasted for several months, until they were once again arrested for disorderly conduct in the fall of 1926. The prolonged affair with Miss Fisher forced Dr. Pugh's wife, Dupreeze, to sue him for maintenance in December of 1926, alleging that her husband had been having an affair with Miss Fisher since March of 1925 and he'd finally abandoned her in November of 1926, leaving her without income. Dr. Pugh was later cited for contempt of court for failure to pay alimony in the summer of 1927. However, sometime after that, the couple reunited, and there were no further reports of infidelity. At least that made the papers. Mayor Pugh's biggest scandal hit during his third term in office. In 1946, an investigation into illegal gambling in the county led to the grand jury indictment of Mayor Pugh, State's Attorney Emerson M. Williams, and Chief of Police Ray Smith. The investigation began in the spring when Attorney Maurice Porter went to the Dewitt County Board of Supervisors with concerns about illegal gambling in the county. The board accepted a resolution that a special prosecutor be named, and three circuit court judges of District 6 appointed Oliver D. Mann of Danville that June. His investigation concluded in August when he presented evidence to a grand jury. The investigation revealed notorious gaming houses in Dewitt County. You didn't need to know someone to get in. He also had evidence that showed that Mayor Pugh, State's Attorney Williams, and Chief Smith had warrants made out against people with names like John Doe, spelled D-O-U-G-H, and John Mead Doe for gambling, which indicated that they must know the men in the warrants. As a result of the investigation, the grand jury indicted Mayor Pugh with charges of conspiracy, bribery, and nonfeasance in office. Chief of Police Ray Smith and State's Attorney Emerson Williams were also charged with conspiracy and nonfeasance. The accused men posted bond, with their trials slated to begin in the fall. Mayor Pugh was adamant that this was nothing more than politics, accusing Maurice Porter, the man who started the investigation, of working to influence the people who appeared before the grand jury. He agreed with State's Attorney Williams that this was a smear campaign. Mr. Williams went so far as to file a motion saying that the grand jury was illegally drawn and that the resolution to investigate the illegal gambling was never adopted. He claimed that Mr. Porter had held frequent conferences with Frank Stewart, one of the board's supervisors, about removing Mr. Williams from office. He further alleged that Mr. Stewart and Lester Glynn, another supervisor, were prejudiced against him and that their grand jury selections were made to secure a conviction against him. The Chicago mob apparently also took issue with Maurice Porter. According to one article, Mr. Porter was granted a permit to carry a gun for his own protection due to threats. According to Mr. Mann, Chief of Police Ray Smith informed him that a man identifying himself as someone connected to the Chicago gambling syndicate told him that it would be in his best interest to have a 24-hour alibi, saying that it was understood that they couldn't handle the situation down here, and then told Chief Smith to warn the other two men, Mayor Pew and Mr. Williams, that something might happen. As the instigator of the probe and one of the prosecution's main witnesses, Mr. Porter appeared to have a target on his back. However, nothing came of the threats or the motions. In the end, Mayor Pugh pled guilty to one count of nonfeasance in January of 1947, with the other charges against him dismissed. All of the charges against state's attorney Emerson Williams and chief of police Ray Smith were dropped. Mayor Pugh was fined $1,000 in costs. He also resigned as mayor. But that wasn't the end of his political career. Despite Dr. Pugh resigning as mayor just before pleading guilty to a charge of nonfeasance, he was still a candidate in the mayoral race for that spring. Though you might think having such a highly publicized indictment, which included bribery and pleading guilty to a charge of nonfeasance, might have swayed public opinion against him, which would have registered at the polls. Like the mayor in Jaws still being the mayor in Jaws, too, Dr. Pugh was once again elected mayor. This time beating his opponent, Frank Moot, 1,553 votes to 1,516, a narrow margin of only 37 votes. What would turn out to be his last term as mayor didn't pass without any scandal. Mayor Pugh was named in a lawsuit along with several other people filed by Alan Thurman Tuggle and his wife Inez. The couple alleged that they'd given a quit-claim deed for their farm to attorney John F. Pearl to be kept in a deposit box for their protection and were advised that it should be blank and was not acknowledged by law. The suit went on to claim that instead, Mr. Pearl inserted the names of his wife Gwen and Mayor Pugh on the deed before selling the land to Miss Frida Peterson. Though Mr. Pearl was the main target of the lawsuit, Mayor Pugh and the others were included as well. The 1951 mayoral election saw a drastic swing of support for Mayor Pugh. Once endorsed by the Clinton Daily Journal in public, the paper now printed scathing letters to the editor criticizing Mayor Pugh's efficiency as mayor. One noted that the PTA had to raise funds to purchase new traffic lights in an effort to keep children safe, which the city contributed nothing towards. Another said that the city could be, quote, an example of what is honorable, honest, and sincere, a small light in a troubled and dark world. And to do that, Clinton required a new mayor. Mayor Pugh's opponent, Harry D. Brainer, also took out ads listing desired things that the city wanted and that he could provide, a veiled slight against Mayor Pugh and the complaints against him. The result was Harry Brainer beating Mayor Pew in the 1951 mayoral election, effectively ending the man's political career. Within a year of his final defeat at the ballot box and after a lengthy illness that required several trips to the Mayo Clinic and major surgery, Dr. Bernard McCarthy Pugh returned home to Clinton and passed away in 1952 at the age of 65. In 2022, in conjunction with the Smithsonian Voices and Votes Democracy in America exhibit at the Vespasian Warner Library, Mayor Pugh was featured as one of the local history displays. A mock trial was held, which allowed those attending to decide whether or not Mayor Pugh was guilty of the charges against him. The mock trial jury found him guilty, saying that he should have never again been allowed to hold public office. Though Mayor Pugh did accomplish many good things during his terms, his scandals alone should make him much more memorable than he seems to be. Thank you for joining us. For more information about the Vespasian Warner Public Library District, please go to vwarner.org.